Hey there, I'm Helen Ornelas, and I've been a life insurance, long-term care, and Medicare broker for over 20 years, helping thousands of clients during this time. I've come across all types of cases, questions, and calls from people who are in planning or in crisis and provided solutions. So welcome to the OnLive podcast with Helen Ornelas. Listen, you know as well as I do that taking care of important things in life is motivating, empowering, and even inspirational. You're thinking, what does this look like? If you're a business owner, executive, or someone who wants to know, what do I need to know about life events, how to prepare, where can I get help, you're in the right place. These life events will be coming your way, and you will receive these phone calls from your family, siblings, in-laws, grandparents, business partners, and friends. What calls do you think are coming my way? Let's find out. I'll be sharing stories, solutions from me, my clients, providers of service, and others that can help you now or in the future. We have the toolbox here on life, so if you're ready, let's get your toolbox loaded up. All right. Well, we're starting the new year off. Can you believe it's January 2023? And my first guest is my good friend, Renee Balcom from Renee and Company, and she's a health advocate. And if you've listened to my podcast, you've heard a couple of her shows already. So this is called A Room with a View, Please. And this is On Life with Helen. Hey, Renee, welcome to 2023. How are you today? I'm good, Helen. I always love seeing you and I'm excited to be here with you and your, your audience and your fans. Your, yeah. your podcast is growing so much. So yeah, was, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to your fan base for sure. Yeah. Thanks so much. I know we took a little bit of a break at the, during the holidays and just needed to recharge that battery. You and I met with a client on Monday. So 2023 is starting off with a bang with people having needs and curious about what is in the future for my family member or people that I'm dealing with. And so let's talk about a room with a view, please, and share with us what that means in your world. Great. Thank you. One of the things that I really want people to understand is that if we are of a mind, if we're a person that enjoys a garden and enjoys looking out on a garden, then that doesn't change as we age. If we like the mountains, we like the mountains. If we like the ocean, you know, all of the things that we love in our youth doesn't change in our 80s and 90s, right? right. And it's, it's all the same things that we love. And yet, as a culture, we are being invited. Um, and I turn 65 tomorrow. So this Yay, is starting to get, <laughs> thank you, starting to get really close to my life, right? But we're invited to, move into these community environments for seniors that, you know, to be honest with you, and Helen, you know me, I'm always a little bit controversial in my opinion. That's why I love you. Yeah. yeah thank you. But to be honest with you, I not only do I think it's not necessary, and I can prove that, but I also feel like it's not the best environment for us. So for people in your audience that are, you know, trying to figure out like what's next in my life, what should I plan on, or trying to make decisions for their loved ones, right. I would really encourage them to, you know, spend some time with their loved one and understand what their loved one likes and doesn't like. And I will guarantee you when they do that inquiry, their loved one is not going to say, yeah, you know, I've been dreaming of an eight by 10 room 
you know, <laughs> right in, in a building with a bunch of strangers, right? And having, you know, times when I have to report to breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right. And I have not met the person that has put that on their to-do list. That's not on their bucket list, right? Right, right. And yet we're being ushered into these environments as that being the optimum solution to how we should care for ourselves or each other or our loved ones as we age. And I got to tell you, I have a debate about that. And that's what a room with a view please is about, you know, is all of us want a room with a view, whatever that view looks right. like for us. And, and I, you know, challenge anyone to find that in the typical adult living community. So that's, you know, that's what we're here to talk about today. So. Well, cool. So why don't you share with me maybe an example of some clients that you've worked with that you've had this discussion with or just a client that you've worked with? Yeah. So I do have clients that live in assisted living. And I do want to say that I don't want to diminish for the people that need that support. Correct. Because there are people that need that, right? Right. And I think as we, you know, are looking and exploring and trying to discover what the best place for mom is, right? The first step is all about safety. If that's the safest place for mom, maybe... Maybe she has some dementia and she tends to wander, right? And she just is not safe at home anymore. Maybe she's left the oven on or the stove on. And just, right. you know, there definitely are some safety concerns. So I don't want to say that they're not valuable to people that have a need. However, I do want to say most of us will age well in place and most mm-hmm. of us can with just a little, because it's, I think the statistic is only like two or 3% of people right. actually need that kind of environment. And the rest of us, which is a big number, right? 97% of us can age in place at home and with maybe just a little bit of support and some, you know, wraparound services and right. some other things. Because so, a lot of us always go right to the worst case scenario. And that's the scenario that we're thinking about and planning for. Is that eight to ten thousand dollar a month in a home locked down twenty four hours a day with alarms and all the other stuff that's going on? And that that really is not everyone is not ending up in that place, right? As I mentioned, I have clients that are in assisted living that that definitely have a need to be there, but I also have clients that have family members that have explored assisted living for their loved one, and then hired me for you know, to interject my opinion or my support or services on what their plan was. And I was able to show them a better way, a less expensive way. This is kind of the scenario and how it happened. Mom falls at home. Maybe she broke her hip or her leg, right? She's at the hospital. From the hospital, she has to go into rehab. She does a little skilled care and rehab. And then rehab says, well, we don't think mom should live alone anymore. So we're making these recommendations. Right. And, and so the next thing you know, people out of, first of all, they don't ask enough questions. And then out of, through a crisis situation, right? They start looking at where we're going to move mom. And sometimes mom never even gets to go back to her home. Like it's just crazy. She never even goes back there. Right. And yet the next thing you know, they're sitting in a meeting. 
they're signing a contract that costs tens of thousands of dollars. And, right. and the contracts alone are daunting. I mean, they're anywhere from 35 to 55 pages. Yeah, and you're not reading it. You're just signing and initialing and you're like, well, we'll figure it out when we have to. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm always perplexed by the fact that in this scenario, we're so okay to sign a contract Right. It could be worth a quarter of a million dollars, right? Without having an attorney review it. Right. Never, I've never met anyone that had a, an attorney review that contract. And yet we sit there and sign it and we, and we initial and we sign and we initial, and we sign. And it's just the craziest thing I've ever seen. So that's one of the things too. I really, I worked in assisted living. Frankly, that's kind of how I started as a healthcare advocate. And here's, with my background, and for those of you who have not heard me, I was a CEO in tech and for over 20 years. So I look at everything through the lens of a CEO. So as I worked in adult care, I started looking at the business of adult care. Right. And in that business, there were some scary things, right? <laughs> really scary things. So first of all, and I did public relations and marketing for them, right? So one of the things that they have us do that they would literally trained us to do was watch for the obituaries. And if someone passed, an elder passed, go visit, you know, take cookies and go visit the person that was left behind and start oh, talking gosh. to them. Yeah. That's creepy. <laughs> it is creepy. Well, it gets worse. And then start talking to them like, are you afraid to be in the, the house alone? Oh my gosh. That's right. predatory behavior. <laughs> completely. Completely. And right. it happens every day. Right. And then the other thing we get the stats on Mrs. Smith, right? Like I've met Mrs. Smith. She's 82 years old, has a beautiful home overlooking the ocean. And it's a larger home, right? She's alone now with her cat, Fluffy. And all this goes into a computer, into a database, right? And then the database starts telling us, because there's metrics built into it, it starts telling us when we should contact Mrs. Smith again. And here's why. Because now, you know, she's grieving and she just wants to be heard. And she does have some fear and her fear probably isn't about living alone. It's just living out the rest of her life alone. Right. So the next sales tactic is to sell Mrs. Smith on the community that she's going to move into and how nice it is and that they have music and games and exercise classes. And there's a baby grand piano in the room and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. So that's the next step in the sales process. Then you go visit Mrs. Smith again. Right. Right. And now Mrs. Smith is definitely on the radar. And literally, you end up sitting in regional meetings every week, and Mrs. Smith's name will come up. Like, how is she? When did you see her? Da, da, da. You called her. It's, yeah. And there's just this whole sales process that goes about getting Mrs. Smith to move into community. So you finally convince her. Mrs. Smith moves in. She signs that gigantic contract, right? She moves into the community. And then the next part of that assessment is when is, because Mrs. Smith, now keep in mind, she was pretty independent, driving a car, doing her own shopping, living in her big house on the ocean alone, right? She was, all of that was going on, had her cat fluffy, taking care of herself, but now she might need care services. And ever so slowly, but very rhythmically, you start introducing care services to her. Oh One of the things that they do with Mrs. Smith is they put her far, far away from the, the gathering places in community. And as Mrs. Smith is trying to navigate this large building or this large facility, 
she may be struggling with that a little bit. And, you know, just take a wheelchair down and help Mrs. Smith. Now we're charging Mrs. Smith to get in a wheelchair. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That sounds ugly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And now someone may be going to the doctor with Mrs. Smith. And it's like, you know, doctor, Mrs. Smith, she's not walking as much as she used to. She's using a wheelchair. Do you think she should still be driving? And the doctor says, oh, probably not. So now she doesn't drive. Now she's dependent on the facility for her care. And maybe Mrs. Smith shouldn't even manage her meds anymore. And again, it's just this very systematic, rhythmic declining of an individual to capitalize on those needs. And I lived it. I saw it. So, you know, in pretty quick order, my moral compass started spinning in this Mm -hmm. environment. And that's how I became a healthcare advocate. Right. Like, because people were like, I like you, but I'm not living in one of those places. How can you help me? Right. So I shifted my focus to, first of all, how do we help people stay independent? How do we help them live out their lives at home? And what kind of services do they really need at home? And, you know, there's a whole other industry that's really wrapped around, you know, again, kind of capitalizing on Mrs. Smith, right? It's really, really unfortunate, but it is a multi, multi trillion dollar industry. And there's a lot of exploitation going on with seniors in the industry. So one of the things that happens, and I mean, it is everything, you know, people, it's such a money grab in so many ways. Yeah, because we just met an 85 year old woman on Monday. And my God, she looked like she was 65. And Yeah. You would never think that somebody would take her down a slow road like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fortunately, she is really strong willed. And but I will tell you, I think that with regard to that woman, you know, depending on the messages she's gonna get about her husband and his decline, yeah, she could be manipulated down that road. I agree. Yeah. And so I I didn't mean to get you off track, but I was just thinking, yeah. Yeah. But it's true. And again, you know, the more resourceful these elders are, the more people are going to just get in line to get their part of that, right? Because, you know, you you can't take it with you, Helen. Right, right. right. (laughs) So, so, you know, back to Mrs. Smith, right? So now someone says, oh, you're probably okay at home in the house by yourself, but, you know, you probably should have a caregiver come in because, you know, what happens if you fell in the shower? Like, what's the plan for that? And again, there are ways, you know, they have fall mechanisms now. Technology has really made leaps and bounds for that. I mean, they even have monitor. They have these things that you can put in your hallway, right? And if if your normal routine is, you know, you get up from your bed, I mean, you can put them anywhere. You get up from your bed and you go to the bathroom, which is what most of us do, right? Right. There are these monitors that actually can say, Mrs. Smith didn't get up at her normal time to go to the bathroom today. Yeah, I had no idea. And they activated based on pressure, just movement on the floor. So the right. movement, you know, activators that then can send a message to whomever the monitoring source is. And so as an example, my mom had a similar system like that. And what would happen is they would call me first. So I would right. do the first phone call and, you know, hey, your mom isn't moving around in her normal level this morning. And, you know, and my response might be, yeah, because she spent the night at my daughter's house last night, right? Right, right. But maybe not. Maybe I need to check on my mom. So that's one of the technologies available to help Mrs. Smith remain a dependent home. 
Another thing they will try to do is send in caregivers to oversee your care. And again, there may come a time where you need that, but you don't need, and I all too often I see families, you know, welcoming Julie, the caregiver into their home and with like they're a family member, right? And you mentioned this in our meeting on Monday, yeah. like make certain if you're bringing people in your home for care, you make certain anything of value, any information about your money, your security, all of that needs to be put away in a place that it cannot be taken or, you know, read by people that are not there to have that information. Correct. So, so the time has come that families need to be hold that very close to the vest because right. again, there, I, I had a client wonderful man. He had full-time caregivers. Now, rarely in my experience, and I'm, you know, pushing 16 years now with this as a healthcare advocate, rarely in my experience does someone need 24-7 care. Right. Think about it. Do you want anyone staring at you 24-7? Right. No. No, no, not at all. And we don't want it when we're 80 either, 85 or 90, like just someone in the room waiting for you to move a muscle. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the silliest thing ever, right? So unless someone is just really, really, I I had one client that we provided 24-7 care for, and that was because she had physical limitations that she could not, if she, like she had a swallowing problem, she could aspirate, right? So someone needed to be present to help her through because of her physical limitations. Right. But that was the only reason she needed 24-7 care. And she certainly didn't need someone sitting in a room staring at her 24-7. Right, right. So her caregivers kept her house in order, tended to her garden, took care of errands. I mean, they were like almost personal assistants. Right, right. right. They would read with her. They would, so it wasn't, you know, someone managing her meds. It was someone that was literally, you know, more of a personal assistant and then, you know, took care of whatever her physical needs may be. Right. Now, again, very expensive. You know, that was a $30,000 a month bill. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. But her husband, who had passed before her, they he they knew she had this degenerative disease and they knew the care need would come. So, so they, they planned for it. Yes, yes. And she had a fiduciary that managed her resources and mm-hmm. and she was equipped for that. And, right. and and they were very adamant that she did not want to go into a facility of any sort. So right. so she actually lived out her life in her home and we were present at the end of her life. So it was you know, and it was exactly the way her and her husband wanted her to go. So right. the one interesting thing with her, so she had never seen a tablet before and she was an educator. In fact, way ahead of her time, she actually graduated from Yale in economics. And, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Way ahead of her time. Right, right. Her, right. her father was an economist. She was the only child. He really wanted her. They had a close relationship. So she, you know. Yeah, yeah. privilege, right? <laughs> yeah, so. She had never seen a tablet and she was very much about learning. So we gave her a tablet because her disease, it was difficult for her to sit up like and watch. Okay. But the tablet enabled her to be able to look down and be able to learn and watch TV and do so many things. And she could not get over the fact that it like, what's it plugged into? How is this working? Oh, right, right. Yeah. So the first thing she did when she got the tablet was she wanted to learn how the tablet was working. Like how is this machine working? (laughs) Right. Which I just loved because she was in her nineties. And so for her to really still, and again, 
a room with a view, right? She was a, she was, was yeah. constantly wanting to educate herself and right. to bring new information to her mind, right? And so to be able to give her the mechanism that allowed her to do that was, you know, a great moment for us, honestly. And I got to tell you, the morning she passed, she had her breakfast. She wanted to watch Breakfast with Tiffany and she was watching it on her tablet and she passed away in her bed watching uh, that movie. Well, so, yeah. So, yeah, she got to do it at home and, yeah, and in she, her way. Yeah, she did it exactly the way she wanted to and her and her husband wanted to. But I promise you, it didn't stop people. Even Helen, I kid you not, there were people that would come and like knock on the door at two o'clock in the morning and create this environment of fear. Oh and, my God. Yeah. So we ended really? up, yeah, we ended up having, when we assigned a male to be there at night, just for kind of a security thing, we put a man on the premises. She had a rather large estate, right? And um, it stopped. But it was just crazy how she, when her husband passed, how she was literally stopped to move into a facility because she was a person. Of well, it almost makes you not want to put it in the paper, but I guess there's a lot of public records where they could find yeah. the information as well. Yeah. yeah. That's good yeah. to know. I never even thought about that, to be honest with you, that people are searching databases to find out if your spouse has passed away and then you become prey for them. Again, something I've never even thought about. Yeah. And as, you know, maybe a daughter or a son or uh, someone who's uh helping a relative, that's really good to know. I mean, it's already, I work with a lot of Medicare clients, right? Mm -hmm. They get hounded starting at 65 all the time, legally or illegally, right? Which creates a whole mess. But if you're, you know, another 15 or 20 years older than that, and then you start picking up this whole nother layer of predators that are trying to get your money, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's pretty shocking pretty shocking behaviors. Yeah. And and when you look again at the statistic of of uh, how many people do not have children or do not have loved ones looking right. after them, yeah. right? When they lose their partner and they're alone, you know, I mean it says right in the document like there's no living, you know. Right. Yeah. So so they're like prime real estate, right? Yeah, like the, that's the scariest. Yeah. It's the worst. The worst. That is kind of like the worst case scenario that I think about as I get older. I mean, you know, I have a husband and I've got sisters and I have friends and stuff. No, I know. And I have friends and stuff. But I would say four years ago, I was single. Right. And I wasn't in a hurry to find somebody. It had to be the right person. But I also thought, like, holy cow, what if I end up living the rest of my life alone? And you start thinking about all of the different steps and things that'll happen in the future, it's, it's, uh, it's unnerving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think whenever there's kind of a milestone birthday, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, even this morning, you know, I have a quiet time every day. And even this morning I was thinking, you know, I have 30 summers left. Right. 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 And so, and that's if I live to be 95, which I intend to, right. Right. But so two thirds of my life is behind me now. Yeah. And so, and then you really start thinking what I want those 30 summers to look like. And I got to tell you, the lady we met on Monday, I want my 85 to look just like her. Oh, my gosh. Right? She was amazing. Yeah. She was really amazing. I yeah. couldn't. And I just give her so much credit for obviously taking good care of herself. And right. She, 
has incorporated movement and, you know, clearly, you know, has just really cared for yeah, herself. Yeah, still running businesses and managing yeah. her properties and all yeah. kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, she yeah, had it going yeah. on. Yeah, as sharp as can be. So one of the th- other things, too, that I want your audience to know about is kind of the language of senior housing, because that's another thing. There's, there's this whole lexicon of names for these places that we may not even understand what they are. Right. right? So aging in place, we talked about that. The optimum situation is that you would age at home with minimal amount of supports and any supports you have would be monitored completely, right? Right. Then they have what's called senior apartments. And those are, those are apartments for oftentimes for people that didn't, don't maybe never own their own home, but it's a 55 and over senior environment for apartment living. And it's not so bad because you live independently, but there are overseers that just kind of make certain that, you know, Miss Betty is, you know, she came out, she got her paper this morning, you know, she seems to be doing okay. So it's just a little bit of oversight, but not really too much. And then they usually have like, you know, we're going to have a potluck on Thursday. And so they have, you know, small community gatherings that are, that are clearly just, you know, at your leisure and your will. Right. And, and my mother lived in senior apartments and really enjoyed her time there. She could be as, as engaged as she wanted to. Right. And is non-engaged. I think the biggest issue that happened for my mom in senior apartments was the laundry room, you know, because <laughs> it was, they had assigned laundry rooms and sometimes people weren't quick to, Uh-oh. you know. Oh, yeah. To, yeah. For I remember their that time. from my younger days. Yeah. Yeah. So that <laughs> was like the, the big yeah. drama was like, yeah. you know. You're taking people's stuff out, throwing it on the dryer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that continues in senior apartments oh, today. You know, wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then there's active adult living communities and that's, we have quite a few of those in Sacramento and in our region here. Yes. And that's that's really where you may even own your own home. I don't think you own the dirt. I think you own the building. And then they have all kinds of different activities that you can enjoy right. there. I actually uh, was in Mesa, Arizona uh, late last year and visited this place called Leisure World. And, right. and I just thought it was the coolest place ever. Like they have golf courses and I mean, you could not, you certainly don't need to get bored there if you choose right, not right. to, right? And it was a 55 and over adult community. One of the things I found interesting, because that 55 is a little bit lower than most places, right? right? And then you could even have your younger family stay with you for up to 90 days. So there were, it was, it was very lively and there was a variety of age groups in that community. Right. An interesting place. And then there's age restricted communities, which usually is a little bit older. So they're like 65 and up. I, for one, believe that multi-generational living is an optimum situation. You know, I think we learn from each other. And I think, you know, a smart, intelligent young person wants to know older people and get Mm -hmm. wiser. I was raised by my grandmother. She taught me a lot. Right. And I think, um, Younger people keep us lively, right? 100%. Yeah, I'll tell you a short side story is I work with one of my partners in business. He does specializes in reverse mortgages for this uh, senior community. And I met with him and he's like 28. He's a baby, but he is so smart and has so much cool information and I just got charged after having breakfast with him because I'm like, holy cow, 
this guy's got a lot of energy. It was super infectious. I was kind of like, had a little, you know, giddy up in my hitch because I was like, oh my God, I just, you know, really had a great hour and a half conversation with this guy who's 28 knocking it out. Yeah. 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 I agree. I have a couple of staff members that are younger and, and although they perplex me sometimes because their life just looks differently than mine did in my twenties, right? Gosh, the amount of knowledge that they've gained because of technology is just really something too, right? So, and I, I have two 30 year old kids. And so, so they always keep me on my game, you know? So, um, I mean, it's either like mom, really, or come on, mom, you can do this, right? So it's interesting. But again, at the very core of that is just having that young influence, that young energy, that young mindset. I don't and know if I want to spend my life with every, my last days, just with people my age. I, no. I don't know. I mean, I love people my age, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I like diversity just like everybody else. That would yeah. be part of my room with a view, please. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I I don't necessarily want to be in a room with a bunch of old people. I, I mean, I don't want to be necessarily be in a room with a bunch of 65 year olds now. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, cause when you really, when you think about some of that conversation, it's like, Oh, it, it can be hard talking, it, yeah. you know, hard conversation. So, yeah. so yeah. So I think diversity is key to, right. to having a healthy existence. Right. So then there's these continuing care retirement communities and that's where independent living, assisted living and memory care come in. Right. And the reason that that's important to know is. These facilities will say, oh, you can live here. This is, what was my lady's name? Mrs. Jones? I don't know. Yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Smith. Yeah. You can live here independently. It's great for you. But let me tell you, the truth is when, and she remember she's all the way back, you know, on the sixth floor in the back hallway, right? So as soon as Mrs. Smith needs help, she has to give up her beautiful apartment overlooking the garden and move into assisted living Ugh. because they can't keep her in that back corridor. Anymore. Right, right. So so then she literally moves from her independent apartment into assisted living. And then if she has cognitive decline, she moves into memory care. Oh, and memory care is a locked, secure right. environment. So the whole retirement community idea is misleading because if they provide full spectrum of care services, the objective for them is to rhythmically move Mrs. Smith into higher care needs. I mean, again, when you look at the business model, that's how they make money. They make money through care services. Yeah, and they're charging more as you move through the the different levels of care, obviously. Right, right. And so, you know, the longer Mrs. Smith is on the sixth floor in the back apartment, the more they're losing money on her. So they're looking at ways to make money on Mrs. Smith. So what kind of recommendations do you have for people that are thinking about this or having to consider this as an option? What do you think they need to think about and what kind of help should they get? I mean, obviously you said like get an attorney to review the contract, maybe hire someone like you to consult with them to even kind of help knock down some of the fears and bring in some other tools that can be used. And so How does somebody start to prepare themselves with good information about these next steps? Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's good to sit down and really, really find out what your loved one wants. What do you really want, right? And I, again, I'll guarantee you they don't want that eight by 10 room, right? Right. 
And then we look at how do we deliver that to them and keep them safe, right? I do recommend that there are professionals that can help make those assessments. And there's even a whole group that's the national placement. They, they specifically do placement. And a good placement specialist is going to do a thorough assessment. And a really good one is even going to say, you know, I just don't think, you know, mom needs to, to go anywhere. I think we just need to give her some services at home. And I can give you, you know, some names right. of some people that can help, right? I also think that it's really, really good to go visit these places. Like just go oh, visit them. yes. Yeah. You know, I took my mom back in the day. Sometimes I would just have her come with me. Like, just come with me. I'd get her out of the house. And so we went to a couple of these places. And she said to me one day, and I thought this was so profound. She goes, you know, I love going to a nice Hilton hotel and spending a couple of days. It's fun. But I never wanted to live in one. Right. I've never, it's never been my desire to want to live in one. And she goes, and that's how I feel these places are. I feel like they're just, you know, Hilton hotels with a bigger price tag. Right, right. And I love that analogy because I I had not looked at it through that lens, but she was completely correct. And now every time I walk in one, I do it with the Hilton logo in my mind. (laughs) It's just so funny. I was in a place yesterday that, you know, you walk in, there's a baby grand piano, you know, they have restaurant style dining, right? They have a fireplace going and just, you know, all of that. And it's so visually appealing. And again, when you think about an 80 year old alone and you think, oh, you know, when you see people navigating through it, it's like, oh, this might be a place for me because it's so pleasant. But then you have to think it through and think like, well, what does day eight look like? What does day 30 look like? Right. And is this really the place for you for a long period of time? And right. I think I truly, truly believe most people would have the same opinion as my mother. Like, right. No, no, that's not where I want to be. So the other thing, if you decide that, you know, yeah, I, I do, I really want to live in assisted living, right? Or independent living. It's really, really important to understand the staffing and how many, what's the staffing ratio? How many people live here? How many apartments are here? Because the question becomes, if there's an emergency or if you have a need and the staffing ratios are really low, chances are you're right. not going to get the responses that you need and the care and supports that you need. So that's a good good question to ask. And especially weekends, nights, and holidays. What are your staffing ratio requirements there? I also truly, truly encourage everyone to ask for a draft of that contract, have an attorney review it, understand what your costs are and what the escalating costs can look like and know what you're getting into financially. Because if you can't pay the bill, they will they'll evict you. Right. So what type of attorney should they take it to? Because, you know, there's all kinds of attorneys. Would that be an estate attorney or? Yeah. A ge- yeah. Okay. Yeah, Just I to think help I would people. have my estate attorney. Right. Right. Or, whomever understands my... Someone um, who does trust and wills maybe and that, exactly. all of that stuff, right? Exactly. Okay, good. Exactly. And then there's also a state survey program. It's uh, cdss.ca.gov that I encourage everyone to go back, go in and look at, because the state surveys is supposed to survey twice a year minimum and go in and see what's gone on with the state surveys. And coming out of COVID, right, there was lots and lots of people passed in these facilities. Because listen, COVID 
living in a place like this, like an assisted living or independent living during COVID was tragic. Yes. I think this community was impacted the most, right? They were left in their rooms. They couldn't come out in community. They couldn't have visitors. They were given food. And again, not one penny was discounted on their monthly bill, Helen. Not right. one, not one cent was discounted, right? They were given food in, in styrofoam containers, right. plastic forks, and months and months, weeks and weeks and months and months on end, they live like this. Yeah, well, it's just like PG&E or SMUD. You know, when your power goes out, you don't get a refund, right, right. for those days or your internet. So, right. yeah. Right. They were subjected to multiple COVID tests and the really hard one, the one that went up oh, your nose, yes. right? So they were subjected to that often, oftentimes at least weekly, right? And they were mandated to be vaxxed, every yeah. one of them, Right. To me, it was one of the most shocking displays of lack of regard and respect for the elder community that we've ever demonstrated in this right. country. So the interesting thing is a healthcare advocate, I was allowed into the facilities, right? My clients could see me. I had to completely dress, right. you know, but they could at least see me and I could go in and check on them. But, you know, a mother couldn't see her daughter or a daughter oh, couldn't gosh. see her mother. Yeah, just a, heartbreaking stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... So it was really, really a shocking situation to observe people going. Yeah, and it. obviously, if somebody is at home, that's a whole different dynamic. But oh, for sure. Yeah, hopefully, we don't need to go through anything like that again. Once yeah. was more than enough. <laughs> yeah, my, you know, my mom lived with me, right? And she had upper respiratory disease and congestive heart failure. So we were very sensitive to who entered her bubble, right? And, you know, what I would do, because it is the job that I do, I would come home, strip my clothes off in the garage, spray myself down with right. this disinfectant, and then anything that I was carrying, come upstairs into my bathroom, take a shower before I ever even saw my mother. Right. Just because, especially early in COVID, we didn't right. know. We didn't we were, know. Yeah, right. we were told that it was coming in with us, right? So we took every step that we could to minimize that in her. And I'm, and I'm happy to report my mother never did get COVID. Right. right. But, but we definitely circled the wagon train and put her in that bubble and left her there for, yeah. but, but again, she had her family. We were here. My, right. my kids were here to visit her. My son was hypersensitive to her getting COVID. So he would come and stand out on the sidewalk in front of the house <laughs> and talk to her. Right. <laughs> How cute. Because <laughs> right? he's just like, I'm not giving my grandma COVID, right? Yeah. So, so he was hypersensitive to it. The rest of us, you know, wore masks and we did our part. But, but yeah, so you can be at home and you can, frankly, I think it was a better place, you know, right. when you consider how many people <clears throat> passed away under the care in, in care facilities because of COVID. So, hey, a couple of more places I want to talk to you about housing. So skilled nursing, right? Skilled nursing and long-term care in a nursing home is just that. It's a requirement. We have a medical requirement for skilled nursing. So maybe you have a feeding tube or maybe you have, you know, some other requirement of apparatus that has to be maintained. Right. And so a skilled nursing place is a good place. However, we can also order skilled nursing into the home. So so if someone has that need, we can get skilled nursing brought into the home and we can actually even Medicare will even pay for a percentage of that, right. part of that. So, and then there's the nursing home, which again is like long-term care housing. Let's talk a minute about residential care because I don't think these are homes literally 
the dwelling looks like a house in any neighborhood, right? Yeah, my grandmother was in one of those. There was like four or five ladies that lived together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I have a client going into a residential care facility now. It's a six-bed home, very, very high acuity. Right. All the ladies are, you know, similar age. They And it's it's really a fun place. I mean, these gals, you know, they cook together. They watch movies. They have this right. thing on movie night where they everybody throws an idea in the hat and whatever comes out is what they watch. You know, so they have outings, they have walks, they go to church together. So there's, so, so residential care can be a really, really good alternative to, to help, help families have oversight of, of their loved one without this big expense and this big environment that they're in. Residential care is usually run by families. And so like in the case of my client, it's a mother and daughter who actually own the home. And mom actually lives there as a primary caregiver and she's there through the night. And stuff. Oh, super. So, yeah. So it's really, it's beautifully done, beautiful house. It's a six bed. So in some cases there's, you have your own room and other cases you're sharing, like the master bedroom, I think is shared. But right. They have kind of this half wall. So, right. but it's just very, very lovely. They have animals there and one of the owners, the daughter has a three-year-old and you've got a toddler running around. So there is <laughs> that interjection of multiple yeah. generations, right? And I think it's just really a cool option that most people don't even realize or think about. And then there's board and care. Residential care facility will offer a level of nursing care. They do a lot of all the way through end of life care in residential care. The one I was just talking about, the, the younger woman is a nurse. She's an RN. Okay. So, and she has about six of these homes. And she just goes from place to place and makes certain and monitors right. the health of her residents. And again, you want mom to be in a place where she has a similar acuity to the other people. So, right. that, you know, if she's mom not alienated, wants, right? Yeah. If she's still playing cards or dominoes or she's engaged in the garden, you want her to have, you know, those supports where there's other people in the community that want to do those same things. Right. Board and care is less expensive and it's usually a private room or a shared room and there's no age constraints usually in a board and care. So, Got it. So if you have a de- developmentally disabled adult that you're having difficulty caring for, you can look at board and care as an option. Right. Uh, and they and they have care oversight, not necessarily nursing oversight, but they have care oversight. The reason I bring that up is also if there's uh, financial limitations, there is a waiver program in California where you can apply for a board and care waiver and the state of California will assist in, in paying right. for that. There's, there's a waiting list right now. But last year, they released 8,000 more waivers into Sacramento oh, wow. County. So yeah, so, so they were able to dwindle down the list pretty rapidly last year. And I'm hoping we see some more of that this year. So, so anyway, so that's kind of the whole, you know, spectrum of housing right, options. Right. And then there's some other cool, cool things that are coming up. Um, and I know we're running out short yeah. of time here, but there's a couple of cool things. So I was on a cruise a couple of years ago and my husband and I met this elderly couple and they like are on cruise lines. That's what they do permanently. Right. Like, right. They just go from cruise to cruise. And then I met a man, 92 years old, that he, that's where he lives is on the cruise line. Right. And he actually has a personal assistant that lives there with him. And he's been on, he's been cruising for 10 years. And wow. he, said, he said, had he realized the option, he would be doing, have been doing it for 20 years. Right. Wow. He has doctors in certain ports. 
he gets his healthcare benefits in the United States. So when he ports in the U.S., he gets, you know, his Medicare right. checkup and all that. But he, he said it's, and there's a, there are doctors on board, right? Right. There's all kinds of entertainment. He has a stateroom and he said it's way less expensive than any assisted living or any adult. Yeah, care I've heard of that. Yeah. That's a cool yeah, thing yeah. to think about. Yeah. And once I started really investigating that, Norwegian Cruise Line actually is putting ships out specifically for this reason now. Smart. Yeah. 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 So they see it as a, a new opportunity for the aging community to wow. have a different, different care, right? So again, room with a view, right? Um, you can't beat that view. Right. Another thing that I'm seeing and, and hearing more and more about is shared resource type communities. So let's say you live in a neighborhood, especially as the, as you know, the population ages and you, let's say you live in a, on a cul-de-sac and there's four houses that, you know, have this aging and have right. needs. They're actually starting co-ops, right? So that you can share, maybe a, you have a cook that comes into each house and, you know. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. yeah. And that, so it's a shared resource co-op, right? Within neighborhoods that, you come together as a collective and some people are even forming like LLCs where you pay a certain amount of money every month right, and it goes right. into that, right? And then you have, you know, gardeners and caregivers and nurses if you need them and whatever that collective needs, that falls into that bucket of care and everybody shares in those expenses, which I love, love that concept, right? Yeah, I do too. I actually live on a cul-de-sac and we're all kind of the same age. So that's kind of interesting to think about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and, you know, again, if you handle it like a business, you know, it can be handled like a business, right. right? And you just come together and there's a certain amount of money everybody puts into that bucket and you start building up, building that business up with the intention and you write the business model just for the intention of care. And you even list out like these, this is the, the scope of care that the group is willing to pay for. Right, right. So, right. So anyway, so I think that's, I think we're going to see more and more and more of that, right? Because it just makes sense. It's reasonable. And I think there, it will require someone in the neighborhood to kind of take the lead. Yeah. 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 But I think we're going to see people jumping into that option, uh, pretty, on a pretty normal basis because I, I think it works. So, and if we're lucky enough, we'll be able to solicit insurance and social services to help right. pay a little bit of that, right? So because it's a much, much, much less expensive and safer option than some of the other ones that we've talked about today. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So a closing message to our people that are listening, what would you like to say to them? Try not to react in crisis. And we all, you know, face crisis. My mother passed away in, in right. August, right? But try to be level-headed and absolutely bring in, if you don't feel like you can make some of these decisions for your loved one, it doesn't cost a lot of money to bring a professional in and let them help you navigate the need. You know, it's in my company, we do, I do, as you know, you know, a one hour consult. I usually do, I do a free consult. And you're very generous with your time. Thank you. Yeah. And I, because I don't want to be a service that's just an elite service, right? Right, we, right. And we also write scholarships for people that just need help and they sure. just can't pay the bill, right? So, but you can hire my company for one hour, three hours or long term, right? And I think we're pretty reasonable in our price. If you don't want a healthcare advocate, there's other, other great services out there as well. But 
absolutely get a professional opinion, whether it's fiduciary, attorney, insurance, you know, whomever your trusted advisors are, right? have them weigh in. Because when you're in an emotional situation, and again, I'm a healthcare advocate. So I knew what I was seeing and looking at with my mother's passing, but it didn't change the fact it was my mother passing. Right. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't change that. It doesn't. It doesn't change. And your lens is different. It's just different. Yeah. So, so I encourage everyone to get the supports that you need in this process. Well, Renee, you are always full of information and good advice. I love having you on the podcast because there literally is nobody that doesn't have to deal with this topic. We all have people ourselves. And so super, super grateful for all of your advice. And I look forward to having you back on the on the podcast a couple times this year to bring us some new information. Yeah, there's lots oh. of cool things happening. All right. My app, my app is coming out when I'm ready. We're coming. You're going to. Oh, most certainly. Yeah. I'm going to be- beg you to have me on. So you don't have to beg me. You have an open yeah. invitation, 100%. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. Renee Balcom, Renee and Company Health Advocate. And this is On Life with Helen. And we'll be talking to you soon. Bye bye. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of On Life with Helen Ornelas podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share with a friend. And if you haven't already subscribed, rated, and reviewed on your favorite podcast player, please do. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas, or you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly, helen at ornellasinsurance.com, H-E-L-E-N at O-R-N-E-L-L-A-S insurance.com. In closing, this podcast is dedicated to all who believe in preparing for the future and beyond.